0: Ding, ding, ding. All right. Lauren has a confession.
1: Do when, it. So there is a time when the majority of us were added into a group message you don't for like Laura Dern oh. fan accounts. And at that point, I had barely known who Laura Dern <laughs> was. <laughs> That's
2: fine. Wait, what
0: group message was this?
1: I don't remember, but I remember being like, I need to pretend like I am a Laura Dern stan, and I need to figure out who Laura Dern is. <laughs> and then she was in she was The uh, Last Jedi, and I was like, oh, that's who it is.
3: Well, refill Mr.
2: Franklin's glass, will you?
0: Some movies rule, and some <laughs> movies win. Some movies win awards, but these ones do not some movies that are made are not up to par
3: sing along no I've had a couple come on I'm not drunk and an excellent vintage
2: this too but if you're implying that I'm tipsy sir. well
1: I don't have a dog on my lap so I'm not happy right now (laughs) Harish just dropped the hottest track of the decade
0: that was amazing
3: So I'm sorry uh, I
1: referenced that at the top so now you have to include all the times I was trying to get Truman on my lap
4: Welcome to Tipsy Terror, this is a podcast where we get drunk and watch a horror movie And then we record ourselves watching the movie and we cut in clips like this clip um, I saw on Letterboxd, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> someone posted, I think it was Holly Horror posted a drinking yeah. game Drink when someone dies, when anyone on screen drinks, and like when there's a phone call And then you're done oh, yeah.
5: Should we do that? Sure. That's a dad
3: right
4: there. Yeah. And also, we do a podcast right after while we're still drunk, and this is that podcast. And also, our our theme song was hacked, apparently. Oh wow! This one. What is
6: this? Hashtag Uh, a crossover episode. We got you.
4: (laughs) So, (laughs) tipsy terror. Where is that? What what uh, what I just described? I'm Harish. (laughs) I'm Smith. I'm the artist formerly known as Molly. <laughs> and then we're doing Shut up We're doing a collaboration with our friends from the One Star podcast.
1: Ooh, I'm Lauren.
0: And I'm drunk.
4: <laughs> and that's drunk. But that's in a Margot
0: Kidder kind of way. And this is oh the my clip. God. And
1: that was the weird noise that happens sometimes. Sorry, here's a clip. No, I
3: had a couple. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, come oh, on, I'm not drunk.
6: i need you two to know um if so anybody who uses letterbox out there please try and find the one star letterbox because i don't know why i found it one day and (laughs) the name of the movie is once the podcast is one star and all the movies that they rate on letterboxd they all give them one star <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like the funniest well, thing in the world I to me do reviews
0: of like just little <laughs> promotional reviews of the movies we do but then i got lazy and i think i've only done one
1: well that's a good bit mm-hmm. so, so good you thank it. you
0: <laughs>
4: this is gonna be a mess we have five oh, people we only have four mics me and samantha are sharing a mic uh this is gonna be a complete mess but um you love It'll it will be fun we'll we'll make it work it. Anyway, so today's episode we're doing a collaboration with One Star. Today's mm-hmm. episode is about Black Christmas, and then we're doing like a sister episode with them about the remake Black Xmas.
6: A sorority sister episode? A sorority Ooh. sister. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: it's Sam's turn to speak.
2: <laughs> I'll just grab the mic for you don't have to hand it to oh, me. I'll, I'll just grab it when I need it. It could sit closer.
4: So uh
6: All of me out. I'm sorry. Cut my entire mic. I'm sorry. We're not cutting anything you say because one time I was on a one star episode (laughs) and I vomited and they kept in the audio. uh, I
3: had to. I'm going to
0: say, I've seen a lot of like best of 2019 episodes. But I've yet to see one that mentions the best podcast moment of 2019 is Molly vomiting on air. <laughs> it was because I had too star. much fruit
6: gummy. so <laughs> too, um, too many fruit rolls. Too much fruit Quite gummy. Literally,
1: Head over to One Star Movie after you listen to this episode. Jesus Christ. Listen to our Sucker Punch episode to listen to Molly violently vomit upstairs.
6: <laughs> too much fruit gummy.
4: So I just realized there's a flaw in this because mm-hmm. I am the designated driver. So yes. our first... <laughs> segment on this podcast like the flaw. is trivia okay. and uh i'm the designated driver for trivia which means that i am it doesn't mean that i'm sober it means that i am the trivia host who is asking the trivia questions and this was a misunderstanding for someone that we talked to earlier <laughs> for who, someone who's
6: eating mac and cheese out of a red solo cup at the moment <laughs> <laughs> our,
4: our friend Sydney Lawson uh, was com- very confused about I feel this <laughs> um, because she thought that when we said that one of us is the designated driver, she thought that meant one of us is sober. But when we say one of us is the designated driver, that just means that one of us is hosting the trivia and asking the questions.
1: And that person does have to drive home. Um <laughs> but our first we're segment
4: gypsy terror, we
1: so um, we're just just kidding.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> our first segment Maybe. is trivia. So what are your buzzer noises? Buzz bitches. That's a bing bing.
1: <laughs> yes I'll try my
6: best to remember that. Billy Claude <laughs> Wait, can I change mine? Yeah. Parentheses, piano. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: question one what was the original title for this script Mm -hmm. option Mm -hmm. a the babysitter option b stop me option c check the attic option d the caller claude yes
0: is it gonna be the caller no
4: that's wrong i feel like i was right
6: perth this is piano is it the babysitter
3: the
4: babysitter is the correct answer. Who's what baby's being ditited? Okay.
6: Anyways, okay. I would be a babysitter th- movie right off that urban legend. I was
1: thinking it was going to be that because it did, it made the least amount of sense
4: <laughs>
2: and I was I like that's got to be baby. the answer. Are you about However, to explain the collar thing?
4: Yes. <laughs> this is just <laughs> this is going to be a mess cuz me and Samantha are sharing a mic. But uh, this movie was first written by a Canadian writer named Roy Moore who uh, for some reason, shares his name with the guy from Tennessee, Roy Moore, who was the, like, pedophile who was running for Republican Congress. Anyway, Roy Moore, the writer from Canada, (laughs) um, wrote a script called The Babysitter. And so this movie was originally based on the, like, um, it's like an urban legend slash there are some, like, real Mm -hmm. stories behind it. But, like, there was a certain,
2: There aren't that many real stories behind it.
4: Yeah, but um, there's this urban legend of the babysitter who gets a call and then the call is coming from inside the house. So based on that urban legend, there was a script that Roy Moore wrote called The Babysitter. And then that script was rewritten by this guy named Timothy Bond to convert it to um rather than being a babysitter it was like set at a college and Mm -hmm. like timothy bond added all of the college stuff and then that version was called stop me and then bob clark the director of this movie rewrote the script once more and then renamed it black christmas he like took out a lot of the more graphic elements he made it a lot lighter and added more of the comedy stuff I'm
0: sorry, that's
4: light? Um, This is according to the Wikipedia trivia. Bob Clark, who had felt that the original script was too much of a straightforward slasher film, made several alterations in dialogue and also incorporated humorous elements in the film, particularly the drunkenness of Barb and Mrs. Mac, who Clark based on his aunt. Clark felt that college and high school students had not been depicted... With any sense of reality in American film, and or he by intended real college students
1: <laughs> or people who look that age. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, but he, also had to.
4: He intended to capture the astuteness of young adults, college students. Even in 1974, are astute people. They are not fools. It is not all bikinis, beach blankets, and bingo. For him, maybe. And that was a quote from Bob Clark. Astute. So who got that answer?
6: Me. It was me.
4: Yes, um, Molly. It's got a that me, answer. Molly. Do you just bring I'm that? Bringing
1: everywhere? all of my bits back from my one episode. <laughs> you would love
6: to see it.
4: But yeah, I did want to bring that up that he thought that the college students weren't accurate because me and Samantha at least years old. have talked about how in a lot of horror movies, especially modern day horror movies, they write high school students to be like. Much more horny and more sexually obsessed than they actually are.
2: It's not all Riverdale all day type situations. In I was hi- more
6: obsessed with getting my IB diploma. <laughs> well <laughs> Which I have, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> that is something so, I have. In high school
0: you're obsessed with sex. In college you just kinda have it. It's
6: it's
4: that Don't but, let my mom listen to this. I'm a virgin. But yeah, I thought that was cool because This guy, Bob Clark, wanted a more realistic version of college students.
2: People, I mean, college kids and high schoolers are obviously talking about sex and stuff, but not in, like, the weird, perverted way that they're depicted on screen. I think this one's fine, because you can see that they're obviously having sex and they joke around and stuff about it, but, like, you never see them, like, literally, like... uh, Boning. Yeah, and, like, cartoon characters, you know, like... uh, Somebody tweeted, like, a video of, like um a cartoon looney tunes wolf like banging on a table and like lifting up in the air and screaming when he saw a hot girl like you, like that's how college kids act in movies and like it's not it's never like that in, I real, life. Th- in real life am i right
0: <laughs> i had to watch that short film anim- animated film with the wolf for animation class and just so you know it is racist later on <laughs> as in most animation pre-1950 as i found out <laughs>
4: Question two.
0: Oh,
1: I forgot we were in the middle of the trivia.
4: <laughs> Question two. Which SNL cast member um, was originally cast in this film? Uh, this film is Black Christmas, by the way. I don't know if I've mentioned that, but that's what it <laughs> we is. We
0: definitely did not bring it up at all.
4: Which SNL cast member was originally cast in Black Christmas? Option A, Lorraine Newman. Option B, Jane Curtin. Option C, Gilda Radner. Option D, Chevy Chase.
6: A bing bing. Quint piano. Sound. A.
4: A, Lorraine Newman is false. F-
6: B- oh, piano, piano sound, piano sound. Is it Gilda Radner?
4: That is correct.
6: Oh, <gasps> shit. Who was she cast as? I fucking knew
4: so, it. Uh, Barb? Was it Barb? No. Damn it. Gil- the, it was Phil.
1: Was it I Billy? She's Phil. Was it Billy?
4: Yes. Um, yep not billy but um <laughs> oh uh, dang it gilda radner was offered andrea martin's role as phyllis that makes sense because um, andrea martin
0: andrea martin is a famous comedian. is a comedy yeah.
4: icon yeah <laughs> gilda radner was originally offered that role but then she left because she had obligations at snl like See, this I'm, was literally thinking... when snl started
3: yeah, yeah
4: <laughs> Yeah. I'm
1: thinking too much into this because I thought she was going to be the more obvious answer. I really need to get out of my head because <laughs> I'm too competitive to be doing these weird
6: brain games. Oh my god! So, no, when you were reading that I was like, oh, I bet it was Gilda Radner as the character Sam. Yeah.
0: See, my thought was Jane Curtin just because I feel like she kind of looks like Andrea Martin's character did. But I, I was Jane wrong. Was.
4: So Molly is winning. <laughs> Question three. You. nick mancuso um did one of the voices on the phones what did nick mancuso do to make his voice sound like that option a he practiced screaming for five minutes before he actually recorded for the movie option b he stood on his head option c he got very, very hungover. Then, like, he got very drunk the night before and was hungover for the recording. And option D, he just normally, like, just did that with his voice through normal effort. A Nothing bing, special. D? D is false.
0: Claude. He stood on his head. That's the correct
4: <gasps>
1: Motherfucker, I did it again.
4: GSP. Because, like, it compressed his, like, his thorax or whatever his like breathing muscle is or whatever
0: which voice was he
4: I mean he was the main he was the main voice on the phone and there are certain parts in the movie where um the boyfriend's voice is dubbed over with Nick Mancuso's <gasps> voice just to make it like more
3: realistic
4: that the boyfriend is the killer but yeah that's cool Molly wins that Congratulations. I'm sorry. This Thank is a you. mess.
2: I didn't have a fucking chance in this.
4: <laughs> Molly, you've won this round. Next
6: time, maybe you'll win a round again. <laughs> it was James singing.
4: That was Molly's theme song, which was sung by James. He
6: just turned off
4: halfway. I'm sorry.
6: It's fine. I loved
0: it the way it was.
4: Very quickly... Um, the guy who plays a boyfriend, Peter, in this movie, he was 38 years old at the time, and he's the guy from 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is very weird. I did not know that. And the other thing that I wanted to tell you guys was that Barb was intended to be by. <gasps> <gasps> Yeah. I knew I loved
0: Good. her for a reason.
4: Margot Kidder's character. According to IMDb Trivia, Barbara Coward was intended to be a bisexual woman as seen when she is talking about her past boyfriends and looking at Playboy magazines.
6: What? What?
4: So, you know the scene where she's talking about how turtles can have sex for three days? Yeah. Um, at the beginning of that scene, she's looking at a naked woman in a Playboy magazine oh. and, like, circling stuff. When she says making turtles, notes.
0: does she mean women? So, I do yeah. want to...
1: Quick, quick sidebar. I did... She was talking about how she saw turtles mating at the zoo. I also saw turtles mating at the zoo. (laughs) They were Galapagos turtles. They were ginormous, and they just laid on top of each other doing nothing. I've
2: seen (laughs) that exact same thing, and they screamed. How many I didn't see this people have seen, seen turtles, turtles having, having sex? On top
6: of each was the other. That's bag. more than I thought would be in this room.
4: I've seen the internet video of the turtle like. Harish, why did you shit. look that Harish, up? Harish watches
6: turtle porn. <laughs> no, there's like this very
4: famous internet <laughs> video of a tur- turtle. I don't. It's good. <laughs> I don't hey, remember Harish. the context. There's this turtle that's very horny. I think it's like fucking a shoe or something, but it's <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs>
2: It's a crock. I've seen it. No, uh, Harish,
0: yeah, yeah. Harish, you don't have to defend it. We accept you for who you
4: are. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to our next segment. I can't is, move past this.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
4: This is a mess.
2: How have you guys not seen this video? It was like one of the first memes.
4: Right. It's very. We're famous. younger than you. Um. So our next segment, we're. we're I'm not. Let's just quickly recap yes. this movie so we can move on. <laughs>
6: Or he's just trying to get us I for, demand. to forget yes, that he watched this ready. turtle fucking a shoe video. I demand to be everyone, either Barb, the Mrs. And, McRae, and,
0: or Jess.
4: Okay, so Quinn wants to be Barb. Who's yes. next? Lauren Picking. is. Lauren?
0: Shit. Can I pick last?
4: <laughs> uh Molly, who do you want to be?
1: Can I be the house mother? Yes. Someone else can be Billy if they want. Um,
2: I'll be Billy.
4: Samantha's Billy on the phone. I'll be Peter, the boyfriend.
0: Lord, we need a Jess.
2: I wanted you to be Jess.
0: I'll be Jess. Lord, you be creepy boyfriend.
1: Got it. The role I was born to play. <laughs> okay,
4: we'll pick up the rest of the characters. Who cares? Okay, ready and start. We're, and We're
0: having a boozy Christmas Eve. And by the way, my mother, I hate her.
4: Cut to later um, on the other side of the film. We see the, uh, the killer's POV and he's climbing a staircase. And going to the attic. Cut to, um, hey, uh, phone call. This creepy guy is back. It's a moaner, and he's moaning.
2: I'm saying very vulgar things on the phone.
4: And then we cut to, <laughs> don't
2: like hey,
0: that. Uh, is the dick big, though? What? Is, it, is it that what she says? She says something like that.
4: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> cut to cut to uh Barb and Clara, the girl who goes missing, fight, and then Clara goes upstairs. It's me, Clara
2: <laughs> I'll be her. I'm upstairs <laughs> packing and um then I notice something in my uh closet and then I'm like, Who's there? And then I go and then
6: it's me and the killer and I strangle you with the bug. And ding dong, hello girlies, it's me, the house mother.
0: We got you an old maid dress for Christmas. Oh,
6: you girls are too sweet to me. I'm going to go drink hooch in the library. (laughs) And so I do.
4: Cut to it's the next day.
6: Wait. I wanted to be
1: called.
4: (laughs) Oh, uh, Jess gets, or who who are you? You get a call. Wow.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm mad that I want to see you tomorrow, Jess.
4: Okay. And I love you. oh shit yeah um sorry uh yeah I have to talk you, to you in person tomorrow you're my boyfriend okay I love you you my whole world we'll see this I know that you love me anyway cut love to you with my entire heart it's the next day then the the father is waiting for the daughter
0: hey uh where's my daughter
4: oh she's at the that one sorority house I'll point you to it it's over there and then you go over there hi
0: where's my daughter <laughs>
6: Um, we don't know. She's out and about, but she might be back in a bit. Why Um, did
0: you turn my daughter into a woman
4: of the night?
6: Oh, that's not true. Oh, she's a lovely girl. Clara is lovely. Cut to...
1: I'm playing the piano.
4: Hey, it's me, and I'm getting an abortion. I'm sorry. No!
1: I'm the man in the relationship, and I can tell you what to do. No.
4: Sorry, but I'm going to do it anyway.
1: All right, well, I'm going to tickle these ivories very angrily. (laughs)
4: And then I leave, and then cut to the dad talking to Margot Kidder.
0: Where's my daughter? Listen, turtles have sex; they're great at it. Let's go what to do the you police. Want me to Say,
1: but zebras are even faster.
4: <laughs> Let's cut to. We go to the police, and the police are like, "Oh no, it's she's probably like with a boyfriend or something." But hey, she's hey, like- call
0: me Fellatio. That's my number,
4: and also the number is Fellatio. <laughs> cut to we get the boyfriend and then we were like together and cut to it's time. Uh, so another girl in this, uh, uh like teenage girl, a 13 year old girl has been missing. And so we're going to go look for her. Let's all do like a search and rescue for this girl. And we all search. And, and
6: while this rescue is going on, I'm just home alone and I'm drinking hooch out of the bathroom. And I'm trying to find that goddamn cat. Where is that cat? Meow. Where is that cat? And so I go and look up in the attic for that cat. It, oh, no, I'm hooked by I a hook. I swing the hook and I kill you. I see. Well, before I die, I see that the body is up in the attic. And, and I'm a I'm creepy dead. doll sitting on the body's lap.
4: Cut to, uh, oh, no, we're doing the search party and, ah, oh, we find a dead body, but it's not the girl. It's the 13-year-old girl who's missing.
0: Hooray, my daughter's not dead. Oh, wait. And we're disappointed not is.
1: because we found a dead child, but because it wasn't the person we wanted to see. <laughs>
4: Meanwhile, cut to... I'm calling the police station. It's me, Jess, and I'm like, oh, we've been getting these creepy calls from this dude who's, like, moaning and also, like, being really creepy. Can we'll you tap help that. us tap the phone? And then the police officers come to our house and tap the phone, and we're good. Thanks for tapping the phone. Okay, anyway, you can leave. Cut I'm to...
0: drunk. I'm going to bed.
1: I can't play okay. in my piano contest because I'm very mad about... Losing my baby and I smashed the piano. I'm right.
4: sorry, my boyfriend. I thought you were so sweet to me. Well, I want to
1: marry you. Uh,
4: and have well, your, the baby. I don't want to marry you.
1: Well, you're acting like this is a war. Get riding. out I'm of my storm house! out of the
4: house! Get out of my house! Oh, and I also
1: walked down the stairs very creepily before Oswald. Well.
4: Okay, bye.
0: I'm in bed. There's glass animals everywhere and a unicorn. And. Then, and I oh,
4: get, I hear some carolers, and I go to check out the carolers. And what happens while I'm looking at the carolers?
0: Someone stabs me with my glass unicorn.
4: And now I do. And now Barb is dead. <laughs> oh, no. And so Barb is dead, and now I get a phone call. I pick it up, and they're like, oh, why'd you kill the baby? And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And the guy at the phone exchange is like...
1: And I'm creepy, and then I show up
4: <laughs> oh, later. Yeah. I'm behind
1: a tree. The call is inside the house. The call is inside the house.
4: bomb bum, bum. bum. Oh, Wait. The, the
1: killer's in the house.
4: So I go upstairs, and then I open the door, and oh, no, my two friends are dead. And then I run to the basement and lock myself in the basement, and the killer's outside. He's knocking on the door, and I'm like, Surprise, oh, no, no, don't me. get in.
1: It's me. Your boyfriend, and I love you. Don't kill our baby.
4: Oh, uh, the boyfriend comes in through the basement window. He breaks the Smash. window. That's a normal
1: in. thing to do and completely sane. And then Not sane. I didn't mean to. Never mind.
4: Cut to it's later in the movie, and the detective shows up, and he finds me and my boyfriend, and my boyfriend's dead, I'm but dead. I'm awake. And uh i'm here and then i am asleep on my bed and like resting because i'm very shocked and there's a bunch of reporters outside but we got to get rid of them so but someone else is
0: still alive
2: and i am in the attic and i'm singing to myself and then you hear a little (laughs) ring of the telephone the end
0: that was that was pretty time efficient i was worried for a second just so, so we get it out
6: of the way early on, um, Sam, would you like to talk about Margot Kidder's Bangs? Well. They're the reason I have bangs.
4: <laughs> okay. Let's talk about our histories with this movie. Uh, I
2: can go first. It's yeah, brief.
4: you go first.
2: <laughs>
1: um, I knew nothing of it, and now I watched it. Okay. And what'd you think? <laughs> first thought over, I liked it.
4: Okay. Yeah. I'm
1: okay. sure we'll talk more about that later. Quint.
0: But. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable in saying this is my favorite movie of all time. I can't like specify it specifically, but I feel comfortable giving this answer if I'm put on the spot.
6: Wow. Um, I knew that like the two of you, um, Harish and Quinn really liked it and like Sam also, but mostly Harish and Quinn talk about it very, very much. Um, So I watched it, I think earlier this year and I was like, oh, that was good. But I don't think I was paying all the way attention, you know, and I watched it on a laptop, so it was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. But I watched it this time, and I really liked it a lot more. Like, I get it, why you guys like it so much, because I did get so much more out of it upon watching it this time.
2: So, uh, shortly after Harish and I started dating, he expressed interest in watching the movie, and so we watched it. And I remember kind of dozing off in the last like the basement scene and but i remember being like vaguely like oh i think it was the boyfriend but i don't remember and then we watched it again and then i fell asleep during the basement scene again (laughs) and i've and I, i was like everything about this movie i fucking love but i have yet to see the last couple of like just i've seen i had seen the last like minute or two but like the basement scene specifically i fucking missed and then finally we went and saw it in theaters this year And I so I actually saw the whole thing and I was like, God, this film is so good. And so this is like my fourth time seeing it. But I consider it to be one of my favorite horror films of all time. I don't think it's cracked my top 10, but it's like damn close.
4: I had wanted to watch this movie for a long time. And then one day randomly, uh, at least a year ago, uh, me and Samantha were on Shudder and we discovered that Black Christmas was on Shudder. So we decided to watch it. And I immediately fell in love. And it was mostly the telephone exchange stuff that, like, got me to be obsessed with this movie. But this is definitely one of my favorite horror movies. It honestly is probably one of the best horror movies ever made. But I absolutely love it. And that's the main reason that I wanted to watch it.
2: I'm sorry. I lied. It is in my top 10 horror films. (laughs) Uh, I was looking at my letterbox list, but I remembered my list isn't ranked by like my personal favorites. It's just general rating, but it is in my top 10 personal (laughs) favorites. I think it is in my top five.
4: We love this movie. Yes. That's as a given. And I've been thinking recently since we decided to do this, I've been thinking, why do I love this movie? Because I knew that after I watched it the first time, I knew immediately that, I loved it but like I couldn't really nail down what about it that was so amazing to me. I've Yeah I've been thinking about it and I think because one
0: I love slasher movies. Yeah, I love pretty much any slasher movie. I'm going to enjoy it at least somewhat but I think what makes this stand a cut above the rest for me is it's the first but also wholly unique in the fact that Jess isn't the final girl that you've come to expect she's not like she's not yeah she's not the pure virgin who the killer becomes obsessed with she's complex she's pregnant she's new in town (laughs) (laughs) but no she's she's not the kind of final girl that has become the trope she i this doesn't make sense because i'm saying like she subverts it even though it hasn't been created yet, this trope, but she does in a way that she is... She's kind of messy. She's not... She's figuring herself out. She's not the person that later would become the final girl who's supposed to be like this example of good Christianity values and that kind of stuff, like the Laurie Strode's, where she's like this perfect... Virgin. ...girl you want your daughter to be. That's not who Jess is, but this movie still... Makes you love Jess, makes you root for Jess, even though she is much more complicated than just the virgin.
1: You brought something up which I thought was interesting because, not interesting, but I just want to like kind of pause on for a second because you were talking about how it's subverting the trope before it was a trope. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like there's a lot of things watching this movie in today's day where certain tropes have been. You know, existing for 30, 40 years at this right. point. And you can see them existing in this movie, and you know that this was like the start of it, which is really cool. Yeah. There's a lot of different things. One, obviously, like the beast in the boudoir, the the killers in the house, that trope um, kind of initiated with Frankenstein. Not the caller, but not the call is coming from inside the house, but simply the monster is inside the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of. Praying off that fear of the audience that your home is not safe. That was really the, the driving factor of certain horror movies like Halloween as well of where you're not even, you're not even safe when you're at home. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as well as there were a lot of times where this movie tried to connect the killer with Jess, which is in a lot of different movies. Um, it kind of fades away certain sometimes, but like, in Halloween, like, when Lori picks up the knife, it's supposed to connect her with the killer. Right. Later on, they try and hammer that home while, like, having it her weird stepbrother, and then they, like... The, <laughs> I know the 2018 version would try to, like, erase that. I don't know. Thank it got God. messy. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: But, like, it's connecting the final girl, final girl with the killer, and I noticed that a lot with Jess and this killer specifically. Mm-hmm. They, they really tried to hammer in that home that they were, like, more similar than you would think. Like when we, because we had the killer cam. Like I said, we got the killer cam from the beginning.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I, I don't know if it's the first shot, but if it's it's one of the first few mm-hmm. where might, you see the killer. I
0: think it is the first shot. Yeah,
1: you you're watching the house from the killer cam, right? And then later on, towards the end of the movie, we are, we get that exact same kind of shot from Jess's point of view mm-hmm. while she's walking through the house. Was that
4: that was her POV? I guess, yeah.
1: yeah. And that's very directly connecting the killer with Jess.
4: Oh, my God. And she also let's, literally
1: kills someone.
4: <laughs> so let's take this piece by piece. Yeah, so, I just kind of
1: threw a lot of word vomit at you guys.
4: <laughs> one of the things that we talked about is the killer POV. Mm-hmm. Um, we, This is one of the first movies where we see... The killer's perspective. A lot of the shots in this movie are from the killer's point of view.
1: You also get this in a certain movie called Sleepaway Camp.
4: And it <laughs> you know. The first
2: movie was Peeping Tom. Yes. You know that because of Scream nineteen ninety six. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just fun. if you were seeing me just aggressively taking the mic from your every time I talk,
4: Samantha. It's very good. Yeah. Um. So. After Peeping Tom and Psycho, this is one of the major movies to do that, where we see, we just see things from the killer's perspective. There's a lot of shots that are like very handheld, or at least like <laughs> over the shoulder or I, whatever.
0: I call I consider this like the first true slasher movie. The, yeah, like I agree. A lot of people call like Psycho or Peeping Tom that, but they're different. In yeah. a lot of ways than slasher movie. This is the first like tried and true slasher slasher. But um, yeah, so that's what I find so amazing about this movie is it manages to be the first slasher in the form of the slasher we know today. Yet, in 2019, it still can feel completely fresh and unlike
4: any of the other ones. We brought up the movie Halloween a lot.
1: I don't know why, but I feel like I just got major Halloween vibes from
4: watching this.
0: Well, John Carpenter has said in interviews that he took a lot of inspiration for Black Christmas. Well that makes sense. <laughs> so
4: I have a it's it's f- fun ho- holiday fact. themed. Fun <laughs> facts <laughs> fun facts. John Carpenter and Bob Clark, who is the director of this movie, also the director of A Christmas Story. King of Christmas. <laughs> um but Bob Clark and John Carpenter worked on a certain movie together and during the production of that film. Carpenter, John Carpenter, expressed to Bob Clark that he loved Black Christmas and was asked wh- was asking if a sequel or companion film could ever happen. And Clark said he wasn't really interested in going back to that territory, but he did offer up an, an idea for what it could be. It'll be he was captured after all, he was put in an institution, and the movie will begin the night he escapes back in town, and they don't know it yet. And I'm going to call it halloween bob clark ricard, recalled telling carpenter but and then john carpenter took that idea i just want to
1: point out our friend sydney is still sitting here and she was like had her head back kind of sleeping and she just fully sat
4: up <laughs> yeah so john carpenter oh, took that shit. that literal idea that bob clark did and then turned that into the movie halloween where awesome. oh, uh, michael my myers God. escapes uh
0: is, is michael myers billy
4: <laughs> that was well that
1: goes back so, into the namesake because we were talking about not directly but we were talking about during the movie how uh in scream the last name is loomis right which is a very specific reference to halloween which is also a reference to psycho right but um and his name is the killer in this movie is named billy And obviously the killer in Scream, well, one of them is named Billy Loomis. Right. So that is just a very nice connection to both of those movies. Yeah.
4: Dr. Loomis in Halloween. But basically the pitch for Halloween was the pitch for the sequel to Black Christmas. and then john carpenter took that and made it a full movie and like even (laughs) bob clark says bob clark has a quote he says he deserves the full expansive credit for that he's gotten for doing that movie um a few words about an idea are hardly a screenplay in a finished movie um. So basically, Bob Clark g- gives John Carpenter credit for making Halloween. Wow! But the the idea for Halloween came from the idea for the sequel for to Black Christmas. Oh, that's, that's
3: awesome. crazy! I
1: feel, so. Not even, but yeah. not even knowing that, like you you get that.
5: Yeah, from you can watching, see the influence from you, know,
1: like watching both of these movies separately. Because like I knew absolutely nothing about Black Christmas while I was watching this and. I picked up on the connections to Halloween to without Halloween. even knowing that.
4: And Halloween came out in 1978, which is four years after right. Black Christmas yeah, came it's out. Like, you can tell why this movie
0: didn't become the iconic one as opposed to Halloween, which did. It didn't focus on the villain. And I think to become like the slasher that everyone remembers, you need to have the iconic villain. And, right?
1: also... Because people, I feel like you're afraid of Billy, but you're not as afraid of Billy as you are afraid of Michael Myers because right. you actually see Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. But in the same sense, uh, Michael Myers in one degree or another is a sympathetic villain, a sympathetic killer. And that is a big thing in a lot of horror movies. And you do not get that here because you don't know anything you don't, about the killer. Right.
6: As, you don't care about him. I just realized. Oh, no, Sam, go ahead.
2: No. oh no you no. can go ahead i just it. realized
6: the ending of this movie so i knew going into the movie like like i'd read the plot like kind of and i knew that the killer was like just somebody yeah i didn't realize until like like five minutes ago That you're supposed to think Up until the end That the boyfriend is the killer And that she has you're like Defeated the killer supposed like to the final shot Yeah <laughs> And that that's supposed to be Like this big plot twist Like I just am getting That that's what I was supposed To have gotten from that movie
2: Yeah And I was gonna say Like when she was saying The killer sympathetic Or uh, you know It's not because you don't know him because um even whenever you think it's the boyfriend he's not sympathetic because you fucking hate him
1: exactly like at no point do you have any sympathy for the killer and not that in any not even like in halloween like you you're sympathetic to the character or the killer you are in a sense but not really right because he's still going around killing people yeah but in this sense like there's a, in this movie you get absolutely none of that
0: that's an what sam brought up is another thing i love about Mal. uh Molly, I love you, Molly. What I love about this movie is that its politics are so advanced for 1974 that they hold up today.
4: Right. Okay, this is from the IMDb Trivia. Though some critical evaluations of the film interpreted the subplot with Peter and Jess as a feminist statement that defended a woman's choice to have an abortion, Bob Clark and Olivia Hussey... Um, Olivia Hussey, who plays Jess, they have dismissed such evaluations and claimed that the subplot was politically neutral and not meant to promote any pro-life or pro-choice message. That's... It was... uh, was, simply meant to give the character something to do and talk about in the film in between the murders and investigations.
0: That's bullshit. That's Can like I... when George Romero says like, oh, I didn't realize that like uh, in Night of the Living Dead that I made my character black and then he dies at the hands of police at the end. Right. Like he, there's no way. I don't believe you for a second that you did not realize what you were doing.
4: My My question is, do you guys consider this a feminist movie after hearing that?
1: I'm actually before we hear other people's thoughts, I kind of want to throw in a different interpretation of this really quick cuz I didn't think about it cuz when you're watching it cuz we're not in 1974 watching this oh, movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so our our viewpoint of it is completely different than someone living in this time frame, but I think watching this in that in that time with you know, everything going on and, you know, th- never mind. I don't know what word I was trying to find there, but <laughs> <laughs> I think perchance, this is an, a possible interpretation. This is not how I interpreted while watching it, but just when you said that it sparked this. What if having her be pregnant and wanting abortion was actually supposed to make us not like the character in the time that the movie right. was released? And so ha- you're actually like, if you're in 1974 in a in a theater watching this you think she's a she's a horrible person for wanting to kill this baby you support peter and what he's saying and that's why when you know you don't really support her and then she kills peter and you're supposed to think of her as a villain in her own
0: right but that's not what the rest of the direction and the what the rest of the character says because every other moment she's like trying to make barb nice she's apologizing she's being kind to everyone the camera is always with her right. when she's on screen so and the and then direction... we
2: connect
1: her with the actual killer at the end
2: but she also has that speech in the middle of it where she says like i have my own hopes and aspirations i'm not giving them up for you you know like yeah. 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 like you wouldn't write mm-hmm. a speech like that if you didn't have an intent, intended like meaning to but it but the fact exactly. that they like
1: denounced that makes me think that it was supposed to be the opposite and then they're like oh shoot i, I think...
0: think they Read also, the script. This
1: wasn't a full fledged uh, thing. This was
4: just me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, In the at, moment. At worst,
0: they are pro lifers who read the script and didn't think about this aspect. But, like, the screen, at least the screenwriter, somebody knew what they were doing then yeah. because. There's, it's just crystal clear what happens as in terms of like, because we are supposed to like Jess. Right. There's no way we're not supposed to like Jess. I think and she's I think a character it's supposed to
1: make her a complicated character that's planning to it's get an abortion. It's supposed to be the opposite of a character that you just like for the sake of liking him. They can't do anything wrong. It's supposed to add depth in the fact that she makes bad choices.
4: I think death of the author is important in this case. If we ignore what they thought they were doing, And just watching the movie from a neutral perspective, we do see Jess as a sympathetic character. She is a victim of what's happening. Um, And so we're on her side. And so I think whether they thought that this was political or apolitical, this movie is a very good depiction of rape culture and just the way that the patriarchy affects women. Jess as a character is fully fledged and like has her own aspiration. She doesn't want to marry this guy, her boyfriend. She wants to have an abortion. She doesn't want to marry him and she wants to live her own life. And I I think even if they didn't mean that as a political message, it is important that they had a character who wanted to have those kinds of aspirations and they had her like esp- express her values in in the movie and when they go to the police for the first time the police ignore them they they ignore the women they're like oh she's probably just like shacking up with another guy until the boyfriend comes in and yells at them and is like yeah,
1: until a you man guys, tells them, hey, yeah. my girlfriend's yeah. missing, then they're like, oh, I guess we'll believe it
4: Until a man comes in and tells them this is an important case, they don't care because it's women that are coming up. I think this movie accurately depicts the rape culture of the time, and I consider it feminist in that sense.
0: Yeah, I've... I've, I said it off mic. I'll say it on mic because I believe it enough. Laurie Strode doesn't become interesting <laughs> until H two O.
1: The TV series.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I feel Jess is Jess. I can't think of a single single appearance slasher movie character specifically who is as fully developed as jess is in
4: this one movie
0: yes yeah.
4: right and also like we're definitely jess is the good guy like yeah we're definitely on her side and the movie definitely like is trying to make you think that the boyfriend is the villain and like that kind of adds a weight even if mm-hmm. they say that like it's supposed to be apolitical it's just giving them the they character set up something that the, to b- do that the
1: boyfriend's a bad guy
4: he's whether, right yeah. whether
1: he's like literally going around killing people or not he's a bad guy he
4: yeah and it makes you think that he's a bad guy he
1: smashed a piano right
4: <laughs>
2: In the most calm manner you can possibly ever see somebody smash a piano. (laughs) Honestly, way way
1: more terrifying than just taking a sledgehammer to it. It was calculated. It was calm.
0: Yeah, it's like, despite their intent of the message or whatever, the fact is, they needed the boyfriend, uh, they needed the audience to be as convinced as Jess is that Peter is the killer. That's just the plot of the movie. That's undebatable. So, the politics just come with that, and right. that's not something that can be denied. We're yeah.
4: supposed to be on her side.
0: I
1: just think it's interesting that this was brought up because you can't take the the year out of it. At this point, that's not a common topic, right. just in general. So I, I think that this was supposed to complicate her character and complicate our view on her. Not necessarily completely turn on her, but just show that she's not a a perfect person. But, it's hard to watch this view in 2019 okay. and not see it as a feminist film.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, but Lauren, with what you're saying is we're not supposed to see Jeff's as perfect. I think that invalidates, not invalidates. That's the wrong word. But the character of Barb exists to right. help it's make Jess seem better.
1: Yeah. It's a foil. Yes. So yeah.
0: you can't have Barb being Barb without Jess coming off good, even though, Maybe the, majority, of the uh, majority audience at the time hates Jess for getting an abortion. Well, because
1: even Halloween, a big part of the reason why this trend, this trope started where in a horror movie, if the girl has sex, she dies. Like mm-hmm. this started literally as a conservative kind of like take back of, hey, girls, you're young, don't have sex, you'll right. die. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's it's. For me, knowing that this movie one came out when it did and before Halloween and knowing that knowing that about Halloween and when it came out then, it's hard for me to ignore it. That's yeah. all I'm saying.
4: Right. Thinking about we we recently watched uh, Cabin in the Woods, which mm-hmm. like
1: I also recently rewatched we watched that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unrelated,
4: <laughs> which brings up all these tropes and like this is something we talked yeah. about on that episode. Yeah. But um regarding that if we were going to label each of these characters as um those kinds of archetypes as they talk about in um in cabin in the woods Jess for sure is the virgin so yeah. but no I think but she's not a what virgin about
2: Phyllis I, yeah I was
3: gonna
4: say
0: Phyllis I
3: the think virgin.
4: Phyllis is more of the comedy relief she's the joker
2: I thought she was the scholar
4: see but
0: that's where that's, uh, what I was that's why I was gonna say I think these characters are unlabelable. Because they're kind unlabelable. Yeah,
6: f- might be the house mother. Yeah. Sure. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, I think it is. Good, good point. Is. Yeah. You're
0: right. But every single one of them has more of a darkness or more of a complexity to them. Beyond just that broad stereotype. Right. Because Jess is our final girl, but she's not the virgin. Barb is our mean girl, but you get she's her... She's the slut. She's the slut, yeah. but you get her backstory with her mother. Phil is supposed to be the scholar, but she has a boyfriend. The house mom is supposed to be the fool, but she you get a taste into her alcoholism and her right. loneliness. So they're all more complex. And I think that's what makes this movie so special to me is that it's so character focused. Right. That that's what I love about it is it takes the time to get you to love these characters, even if they're flawed. And so you feel the gravity of their deaths.
4: I actually wrote that down as something to talk about. I brought this up and never answered the question. But like, um, I I was constantly asking myself, why do I love this movie so much? And part of it is because it has such good characters, they're all very well fleshed out
1: They're very unique except for their hair well
4: <laughs> every single every single character in this movie is their own character and they have their own like full, they have like a full character behind them. It's not just like a shell, like, or an archetype like the scholar or whatever. Yeah. I think Um,
0: one of the things that can make a movie fall apart so quickly for me is if I don't get the sense that these characters existed before this movie started and they didn't exist after it ended. I think that's a really important thing to establish with every single film. And these people are beyond real for me.
4: I, I wanted to bring up, this is a They're
1: full flesh within the first scene.
4: Mm-hmm. This is a review from Holly horror on uh letterbox. Uh, this is a quote. Every character is their own. There are no interchangeable sorority sisters. Barb is so well defined that when she's drunk at dinner with miss Harrison, at first glance, you may disp- dismiss her defiance as another drunk slash comedic moment. But just a few scenes earlier, we see Barb disappointed that her mother won't be around for Christmas. She lashes out at Mr. Harrison's daughter, Claire, and then at Claire's concerned and present father in a fit of painful jealousy. Um, uh, she also says, Barb's pain is felt throughout the entire film because Black Christmas is permeated with a chilling loneliness. The movie is a mood perfectly capturing what it feels like to be alone at Christmas. So, like, I think every character in this, like, is very well-defined and well-acted in a way that you, like, understand them when you see them. And, like, that, like, even when it's not, like, important to the plot, it, like, adds to it and makes it, like, much more relatable. And that's why, that's one of the reasons that I love this movie. Yeah, it's the yeah.
0: best Christmas is fucking miserable movie Can there I is. ask you a quick right.
1: question that is, like, maybe dumb? Sure. Does this movie take place actually on December 25th?
0: I don't think so. Is it unsure? I think it takes place like right after finals, right when they're all about to leave for home.
3: It's like mid-December.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I wrote a 10-page essay about Jess in school. I could write a 10-page essay about Barb because (laughs) I Barb is my favorite character. I think she is just one of the best characters in movies.
4: Right.
6: So, Harish, um, when you were talking about your history with this movie, you mentioned that something you really loved was all the stuff with the phones. Should we talk more about that part of it?
4: That, uh, the telephone exchange sequence is probably the main reason that in my head that I thought that I was attracted to this movie the most.
1: All of them or one specific one?
4: Just in general. So, this is something we've talked about on this podcast before is when you're disconnected from the horror. So, um we talked about this on the Pontypool episode on in Pontypool, um they're at a radio station where they're getting reports of horrific stuff that's happening in town, but like you never see that as the viewer. You never see what's happening.
1: Those characters never see it either.
4: Yeah, the characters don't see it either. So like there's this level of you know something horrific is happening but like you aren't there So you don't know exactly So there's this level it's there's it's less like, real Right there's yeah. this like mysteriousness to it So like you're like scared Because like you know that it's happening Off screen But you're also like Is this real? Is this mm-hmm. actually happening? What's going on? You don't exactly know ex- Like it's it's kind of like the don't show your monster trope Where right. it's like I don't see the monster so the monster here. I'm going <laughs> to imagine it as very scary. Because what
1: you don't see is scarier than what you do see.
4: Right. You yeah. don't you don't know what's exactly happening so you're like, okay, the most scary thing is going to be happening.
6: And that ties in really well with um the whole aspect of it's in your home, the space where you mm-hmm. should feel the most safe. Mm-hmm. Right. So like not only do you not know what you're dealing with, you also don't know where you're dealing with in the place know who it that is. you should feel safe is like the right. place that's the most Cause, corrupted.
1: Cause if you can't go home to be safe, literally, where can you go? And, and that's the, the whole thing. The
4: yeah. beauty of this film is that there's three levels of disconnection. However,
1: if it's in a sorority house, you do in theory have another home that you could go to
4: yeah you could just but let's ignore that go
1: home <laughs> <Let's> just, <laughs> but no, no, that's not part But
4: of it. in this case there's the bottom level which is uh, Olivia the Hussey no, I'm sorry, I'm
3: sorry, I'm <laughs>
4: Olivia Hussey picking up the phone and mm-hmm. she is hearing a guy on the phone she doesn't know where the guy is what he's doing what he's like what he looks like what he is intending with mm-hmm. his comments but a creepy guy is just on the phone. That's one level of disconnection. Then you have the police station. The police station is like, okay, I don't have all the pieces. Maybe there's a boyfriend who's involved, but I don't have all the pieces to this. So, like, something mysterious is going going on. Maybe the girl who's on the phone knows a little bit more than me. I don't know what's going on. That's another level of being creeped out. And then at the third level you have the guy at the telephone exchange who's like got to figure out where this phone call is coming from he's running through the aisles trying to figure out where the phone call is coming from so that just adds another layer of tension to this movie so i think like with the three levels of disconnection Mm -hmm. that just makes it so much more intense than just like having us watch someone being murdered on screen
6: i think kind of about my point of um if you, like, can't, in Lauren's point, like, if you can't go home, where can you go? Um, She tries to go with her, to her boyfriend right. with some, like, very personal news, and he doesn't handle it well. So it's also not about, like, Who physically can she turn to? where you can go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's about, like, the people right. in your Who
0: life.
4: Right. Who do you
0: trust? Yeah, it's like she can't tell her best friends because one of them's a mean drunk. Yeah. And the other one's judgmental smartass.
1: Yeah, and especially, again, in this time period, there's not many people you can talk to about that. It's like the the Chekhov's gun of this movie. It's the Chekhov's pregnancy.
3: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but that's my point is like, why put it in there if it doesn't matter? Mm-hmm. And that's why I, th- I think that, because you kind of brought this up before, like maybe there was a disconnect between the writer and the director because like it was put in there for a reason. Maybe the director didn't see it as that.
2: Well, also the director, Bob Clark, did the final pass of this. So like, I mean, if he didn't like it, he would have... if. If there was not supposed to be meaning, he wouldn't have... He would have cut something That's out. why it's,
1: that yeah. that comment is so troubling to me that it didn't mean anything because... The, wh- why put it... Wh- it's the Chekhov's gun. Why put it in there? Yeah. Right. They claim that why it was apolitical. Why did a- she have the baby? I'm the, oh sorry. The pregnancy had to go off.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, t- they th- claim that it was apolitical, but like... In the end, when you're analyzing a film mm-hmm. and analyzing the perspective of the film, the film sees Jess as the good guy. As and the
1: protagonist who slayed the villain.
4: Yeah. The boyfriend as the bad guy. So, like, you're supposed to be on her side and believe her.
0: Mm-hmm. So, because like- the ending doesn't work at all if you don't think Jess was justified in being afraid of her boyfriend. Right. It doesn't make any sense because you're, you're, you you're
1: supposed to also be afraid of him. And you also should think that that's the right thing to do is to self defense.
4: Yeah. Fight back. Yeah. Something that I found out while researching the movie was that this is not the first movie where the killer was inside the house. According to uh, IMDb, It says, this movie is regarded as the first film to come up with the popular convention of a killer calling from inside the house. However, it was preceded a year earlier by The Severed Arm in 1973, in which a radio announcer is called repeatedly by the killer who is is inside the studio on another phone. And then there's a TV movie called Mousy, from 1974, which fe- featured star Kirk Douglas terrorizing his ex-wife, Jean Seberg with calls that the police eventually traced to a room upstairs. And the dialogue between uh, the police inspector and Sayberg is almost identical to that between Jess and Sergeant Nass in this film. Both likely set the precedent for this convention, which was popularized by Black Christmas
1: yeah the incompetent
4: police the incompetent police and also the killer inside the house that's interesting yeah.
0: the first time I ever heard the killer inside the house trope is like that one viral story where it's like the babysitter's creeped out by the clown statue right and then she's like she's like can I move the clown statue and then the mom who she's babysitting for is like oh we don't have a clown statue in our house. Right. uh, That's what I remember from. And that directly led to my fear of clowns. That's (laughs) the
4: urban legend. Yeah. Going back to this movie. And this is something that, um, like I said, the main reason that I thought that I loved this movie was because of the telephone exchange stuff. Because in this movie, it's set in 1974, they had like operators, they had to have people actually like moving stuff on the boards, and when they're tapping the phone, they have a guy at the telephone exchange who's walking around, listening, trying to find the phone that's ringing and, so that he can locate where the call is coming from, mm-hmm. and that is one of the main reasons that I think that any any remake of this movie will fail because if they move the time period from 1974 to a more modern time period where we don't have those kinds of telephone exchanges anymore, we don't have people running through like aisles of telephones, just, um, looking for, a telephone that's ringing that like removes the level of tension mm-hmm. from this movie and so like I think no matter yeah, what yeah the
1: keeping them on the phone for as long yeah. as you the main because that still exists but like for them it had to be a lot longer no, today,
0: the main
4: pull of this movie is gone now
0: today you see in like every fucking cop show where they're like it's just some goth chick sitting at a computer right, like yeah. I need you to keep them on the line for just a little bit longer it's, and she's just typing away you don't know what's going on there's no tension nearly- there
4: as interesting yeah (laughs) it's not as interesting as a guy like walking around and then he's like an entire hall full of telephones that are ringing and like there's such a loud ringing noise it's like
0: that's why i love the movie cam which is on netflix it's using the technology of the day when the movie was made cam being made a few years ago. It's using the technology. It's not as a hindrance or something to ignore. Which I think a lot of more modern ho- horror movies do. They just find a way to like throw away the cell phone as soon as they can. That
2: was like when we took screenwriting. At least for me. Uh, my first screenwriting class. One of the first rules we were told was get rid of your cell phone. If it's like a th- horror. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. But that's not realistic. Yeah, exactly. In a lot of movies, when they do get rid of the cell phone, it's like, oh, come on type situation, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, but like Cam is using the technology of today to its full potential, I think. It's the first horror movie that I've seen, that I know of, that I can remember, that used technology in the way I used it. And that's why I loved it, because it's not using it as a hindrance it's it's using it to advance the movie and advance the horror of it which i think this is what this movie does in the 70s it doesn't make it unrealistic for a modern audience where they're like "Eh, what's this you know they need to like plug things in no it makes it more tense and more interesting and more scary when you're watching this guy run around these halls desperately searching for the one line that's ringing
2: yeah
6: yeah for sure
4: I did want to say that I thought this movie was well shot, and we have uh, our friend Sidney Lawson, who watched this movie with us, do a segment about the cinematography.
6: All right. And now for a special glimpse at Cinnamon with Sid, where our good friend Sidney Lawson talks about some of the cinematography we watched for this movie.
5: I loved it. It could have been anamorphic lenses. I'm in a huge anamorphic kick. So anytime I see spherical lenses, I'm like, this is shit. (laughs) Uh, But I thought it was really cool. I love the 70s style. So that was awesome. There was some really cool lens flares that were happening. The wreath on the front of the door was really red and really intense. A uh, glow and halation that was happening with that one. Inhalation means. Halation is like the glow off of a light. How, okay. How it glows. So
4: there's like a. There's
5: probably a better way to explain it. Kind of like that. a
4: blur around the light.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And how that spreads off of it. Right. And the wreath was like really intense, which was annoying. It was distracting for me because I noticed lights a lot, okay. but also like there were some cool thing hap cool things happening when there were two characters talking to each other and then the wreath was in the background but between them (laughs) and so it was like really intense because that was right there so that was a cool thing that was happening the i just want to really know what lenses this was shot was shot with there was a really cool uh red glow and whenever there was like a light pointed at the camera uh so that was awesome but i feel like that's another 70s thing just like red aberration happening and all of the things okay uh
4: i have a quick question
5: yeah harish go
4: what's the what's the you you mentioned anamorphic versus spherical what's the difference and how can you tell from the picture
5: big question there (laughs) spherical is what most lenses are that we know and like consumer lenses it's like a standard lens anamorphic it w- was invented in i think the 1950s or 40s i think for television i'm gonna fuck up this explanation okay but they That's were like cinemascope uh kind of goes back to anamorphin, where they invented these lenses to be wider and to cover a wider ground so it literally takes twice the wideness of a scenes so like if i were to record you right now Um, on spherical, it would be like a one to one ratio, but anamorphic would, would get like twice the wideness, but one times the vertical still.
4: So like 16 by nine, like the, the actual ratio of the size of the frame.
5: Yeah. It correlates to, that's what correlates to like a two, three, nine by one. Okay. So it makes it like, that's what you get the cinema bars from. Yeah. And then it's just literally taking like twice the wideness of the frame and pushing it into it. Okay. So it's recording that and then pushing it in to make it look, just to squeeze it in. Yeah. And I'm really butchering this explanation. So how that correlates then is when you see lens flares that are like a line across the screen, that's an anamorphic lens. Okay. When you see the bokeh, which is like the blurred background of a fr- of an image, uh, B-O-K-E-H, which is like a Japanese word, I think it is, or Chinese word for blurred background. Okay. Okay. Uh, When you see that and like the, you know, when like the lights are blurry and they're like a circle.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
5: When they're an oval, that's from an anamorphic lens because it's literally squeezing the image in tighter and that makes that oval look. Okay. And then that in turn makes it look really pretty because it's like a feathery, almost waterfall effect in the background that you don't really think about. But when it's there, it just makes something like feel more aesthetically pleasing.
4: Okay. Okay.
5: So that's and we don't even need to talk about this because they're not anamorphic lenses <laughs> in Black cri- Christmas.
4: It's not anamorphic. No, it's not. Okay.
5: It's spherical. And I've just been on a really big anamorphic cake. What's your favorite shot
4: in the movie? Quinn asked, What's your favorite shot in the movie?
5: Uh probably that one that I made you guys. Reverse and look. <laughs> what? Oh I love that shot! That was so good! He's <laughs> <We everybody. laughs> Oh my god! Okay, they moved up and now they're moving over. Watch the car. It's right? all one shot. Now we're here. Okay. Following
3: this. Zoom. Zoom! <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> it
3: so oh, shot
5: <laughs> where it starts uh we're like looking through the cop car watching people walk out of something walk and then the house, it yeah. it goes it like dollies up or like it tracks upwards and then it follows them so it tracks them as they walk through and then it's zooming a little bit when they do that and it's still panning left And then it's zooming really intensely as the character steps out into the shadows. The boyfriend Peter steps out from
4: behind the camera.
2: I thought it was so funny because like she made us stop and rewind that and we rewound it and then she was like, Wait, you didn't rewind it good enough and we had to keep going back. Wait, go to the the top of the shot. No, go back to the
5: top of the shot. This is the top of the shot. No, I want to see like before the Go
4: back. uh like 20 more because
5: i just want to
2: see like before the police car but then we rewound it for a shot that we thought was incredible and like there was like no reaction from sydney for it it was like this shot that like panned up to an eyeball in the door and we're like you're gonna love this and just blank face (laughs) stared at it and like her shot i was like
5: that was good
2: i mean but i just wanted to point out like obviously i don't know if we know what we're
5: supposed to be looking for no that was a cool shot too i'm sorry i hated it (laughs) so
4: well i wanted to ask the last time you were on for this sydney photography segment which i'm gonna call it that anyway um was for prince of darkness and you that was an anamorphic lens i believe yeah that
5: was so fucking pretty so that
4: was anamorphic yeah and this is not this is more spherical
5: yeah okay I feel like that was. So if but I do still love like the 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 way that light is affected in in these in this lens. And so you I really want to know what it was. Also, there was a rainbow lens flare at some point.
4: Right. I think it was the cop in the police station. Yeah. So that I was believe. really cool. Yeah.
5: And then separately from like lenses, just all the zooms that were happening, which maybe... Okay. So maybe they, they went really zoom heavy. And I feel like anamorphic zooms is not really a thing so that's probably also why they didn't go anamorphic is because i needed to get that zoom look okay and like there were some really intense zooms happening too so
4: in terms of like cinematography as in like adding to the themes of the film when should you use uh, anamorphic versus spherical does is that a question that makes sense or is that yeah,
5: yes and no I would love to use it for, like, most things. A lot of commercials these days are anamorphic because it just looks really pretty. Okay. Um, And they have the budget for it. It's more expensive to do. But for, like, it just depends on what you're shooting. For example, we're going to shoot this, like, web show in a week, and the space that we have is kind of big, but we need to make it feel like a tighter space. And so I was like, I really want to shoot anamorphic, and that's just me being selfish because I want to shoot on it. But then I had to take a step back and be like... We need this space to feel s- tighter and an, a spherical lens will do that because an anamorphic literally just makes the space feel wider. Okay. So like a lot of people shooting in New York apartments, they'll shoot in anamorphic lenses because it's, those are tiny and they still it to it make look. it feel like there's depth and that there's okay. room in that world. So yeah, that's one reason to shoot on anamorphic. That's a okay. big reason.
4: Yeah. Anything else <laughs> about this movie? How did you feel about the Christmas lights? there's constantly christmas lights in the background especially yeah. that one scene that we pointed out where it was the boyfriend and the and jess and they were talking and there's the christmas tree in the background and there's christmas lights like colored lights on the tree and then he like looks over and it's like one one of his eyes is very like well lit and the oh, other yeah, one is that dark was cool. do you remember that yeah
5: yeah, and that's a very deliberate thing they had to have been, like, very intentional about. Yeah. There was a lot of, like, eye, line, eye light matching. Only one
4: light. Yeah. One eye. Or, like, just, like, a strip lit. of the face was lit. Yeah. What did you think about the um, glass animals? Molly oh,
5: asked. Oh, yeah.
4: The glass. Yeah, go ahead. Well, off off mic, Molly asked, what'd you think about the glass animals chat? The,
5: the glass menagerie <laughs> scene. <laughs> oh, my God. That was amazing. That was so great. There was a lot of shooting through things, okay. just in general. Yeah, and then when you added the glass, uh, it gave us so like what I love about not to always talk about anamorphics, but what I love about that is that it like it squeezes it, it stretches it out. So when you're shooting through glass, it stretches it out and just makes it look pretty. So that was happening a lot with the glass scene, and then just shooting through things a lot. So like when they when she was on the phone talking, they would always shoot through that stairwell grate. Uh,
4: right. There was yes. always like a
5: dirty frame, which was was really cool.
4: Any other major cool shots that you thought? Uh, there was the some overheads. Exchange? I think
5: when they were in the in the stairwell, which was cool overhead. And shots. just just the way the camera really had a voice in this, like the camera really told the story because it okay. was even in the ending when you like were really making us watch it when it was panning over and like going into the different rooms. You were right. even commenting on that. Like the camera was a huge storyteller in this, Yeah. and that's something that we don't always see, especially with movies today. Like that really had a big say in the way that this movie was told.
4: What about the you like said something about um, when they were shooting in the telephone exchange?
5: Yeah, there was a scene. It when was we very were like, like in
4: bright white telephone
5: operators room. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Also because of all the leading lines just with the rows of telephones. Yeah. And when we as soon as we got to him, he was like his face was in the foreground and then in the background we saw all those lines. Yeah. And they were just it was like perfectly set up and then we we just dollied with him, but it was kind of like a Wes Anderson style and I hate to reference that cuz this was the 70s and way before him, but like right. where we're panning or we're dollying right keeping the same like this is the stage and we're watching that it's
4: very like perpendicular yeah. to what's yeah going on right so that
5: was cool as we like tracked the movement like that that was really cool and it was yeah. very well lit yeah it looked cool
4: how much would you rate this cinematography out of 10
5: six or seven okay because i feel like there was a lot more potential with lighting
4: lighting okay
5: it was too well lit it was too lit
4: too lit for most of it okay that's interesting yeah because i think there were i mean but like when we're talking about like scenes where it's only like one eye that's lit and it's like the rest of the face is in the shadow
5: that's amazing yeah. You get darkness and you get dynamics happening. So
4: you it. wanted more of that. Yeah. Okay.
5: I don't know if I'm just being too picky, but it seemed like a lot of the stuff was just like lit everywhere.
3: Right.
4: What'd you say? I feel like this movie's dark, like there's not a lot of light. Yeah, I I always considered this as like uh Samantha just said that she considers this as a very dark movie. It's not very lit in a lot of times mm-hmm. and i also consider it the same like i think it's like very uh heavy shadow in a lot of this yeah
5: yeah i guess i i always just want to see like more dramatic in the tense like if there's a shadow it's on one side
4: okay yeah yeah yeah. it's it's As opposed not to
5: like flat lighting where it's like it's dark but it's like dark everywhere
4: everywhere okay yeah that makes sense
0: so would you say this Black Christmas wasn't black enough for you? Thank you. I'm going to pee. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, on that note, it was very white.
4: <laughs> so yeah, six six <laughs> slash seven is what you said yeah, out of ten we'll go with for a the cinematography. Su- six point
5: five out of ten. Awesome. No, I'm gonna go with a seven out of ten because I appreciated the zooms. I appreciated all the camera work. Yeah, seven out of ten.
4: Cool. Thank you so much. That's
5: enough of me talking. Vote <laughs> on Twitter of what this <laughs> should be called.
4: Should this be called <laughs> Sydney's Cinnamon wait, what is it? What is cinnamon
5: it? with Sid or Sydney Matography?
4: Sid cinnamon.
6: What about a sprinkle of cinnamon? A sprinkle of cinnamon. Wow, That's my vote. We're putting
5: it up on the poll. <laughs> also follow me on Instagram at Sid Lawson DP.
4: And that was Sydney's segment. And the eye shot was
0: cool. She's lying to you guys. The eye shot was cool. <laughs> but it
1: reminded me of uh, the Here's Johnny thing.
4: Little bit, I haven't yeah. seen right. that
1: movie either. But I just know <laughs> that moment. Uh,
4: this movie um, has an ambiguous ending. We don't know for sure what the killer who the killer is at the end it does imply that the boyfriend was not the killer and actually that there is another killer like in the house still which honestly
1: my greatest fear is that just someone's in my house right uh, that i don't know
4: turns out billy is
0: actually billy and that's what's most terrifying of all
4: right because none of the fucking cops the cops are useless very woke film <laughs> stayed, <laughs>
0: stayed, oh yeah the, a that, cop, that
1: exact like plot point slash trope
4: very held true in halloween
0: a cop gets shot and we're supposed to laugh in at it and I'm like hell yeah. yeah bob clark
4: cops are useless they um don't check the attic so they never find the other bodies and then um so apparently this is something i read on the imdb trivia um they get a call right after every kill in this film hmm. and at the very end of the movie we see a shot from the outside of <gasps> the house and the phone starts ringing oh that just oh. hit me oh. really hard it's implied that the final girl was killed oh at the yes end. oh um, no but yeah but it is an ambiguous ending which i think is great because we don't exactly know what's going on with the killer even though there's enough like backstory to the killer that's revealed that the audience doesn't know but we, like, believe that the writers know.
1: Well, it's, like, just, like, step one of, like, writing a story is, like, you don't need to tell the information as long as you as the writer know
6: it. Yeah, right. It's like,
0: it doesn't matter to the part of the story we're watching who Billy is. Yeah. He's just the dude that kills. Right.
6: It's one of those movies, for me, it doesn't, like, I... I do very much like villain and villain motivation. Yeah, and um, that's why Scream is one of my favorite horror movies because right. you get so much of it. Yeah, but for this movie where there's none, I'm like, eh, all right. It works. Like, it doesn't bother me. It all. works yeah. for
4: this movie.
6: Also, because like going in, I knew that it was a, like just a random dude and that it like didn't matter.
0: Right. But-, but I think that's what's scarier is when it is undefined. Yeah, that's what I was because when using your example, Molly, when Billy Loomis is killing billy loomis doesn't have anything to do with me i'm not afraid of billy loomis
1: right that's why you're afraid of this fucking fucker or, <laughs> or michael myers who s- is seemingly just whoever gets in his way
4: mm-hmm. yeah or to
1: quote, is having sex <laughs> to quote Whoopi goldberg i don't want anybody in my house <laughs> <laughs> i just want to clarify my point when i said that as long as the writer knows they don't need to explain everything i mean that as in a sense where, if you're creating a universe, you need to explain some things to the audience. But like, I mean, in Star Wars, right. they don't explain every specific thing in the universe. But you can't just like not explain things to the audience. You, what I meant is like, as long as you know what's going on, then it. As long as you communicate that you, in enough,
4: yeah. you don't need. To explain everything, but you do need a complete story.
1: You yeah. need which to know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> this movie, one.
0: for sure, is a complete story. But that's, for me, what adds to like the feministic quality of this movie is... It's one of the only slasher movies that's not at all about the killer. It frankly it's doesn't matter the who the killer is. Right. It's about the women.
4: Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's The the story is about the women, and it's about the girl who wants to have an abortion, and her boyfriend doesn't want it, and it's her fighting her boyfriend It's who her literally want it.
1: overcoming that struggle, and men?
4: Maybe surviving, like her, maybe not. Her who emotional support.
1: Her dying at the end kind of complicates that take, but
0: maybe. Maybe it's
1: ambiguous.
4: It's
0: ambiguous. Yeah, she's like overcoming her emotional oppressor, and then also her very physical oppressor of Billy.
1: Yeah,
4: (laughs) yeah. Wait, so
1: wait—that but he calls before he kills people. No, what I'm, what I'm saying is he called people at the beginning of the film, and it had been happening for a while. So right. Unless people were dying before the film started, that's well, what I saying. Well, you also have
6: to assume that he killed the 13-year-old girl. Yeah.
3: The 13-year-old right. girl. He kills the 13-year-old yeah. girl,
0: sneaks into the house, gives the first call. But they'd
2: been, they, were but they had been getting several phone calls, so did he kill other unless people, was, or was he just like building up the courage? Well, I'm saying
0: the there? calls that happen in this movie so all happen after a kill. The
4: movie starts with the first call where the killer actually talks because they call him the moaner.
5: Hey, quiet! It's him again! The moaner! The moaner?
4: He has been moaning and apparently I listened to a different podcast where they were talking about black christmas and apparently in the 70s that was like a common thing that just random people would call and like either like do heavy breathing or moaning yeah (laughs) like
0: you got prince albert in a
3: can yeah
6: it's it's funny that you say that because you also brought up the point that um or no sam brought up the point how um phones in the 70s like you had to yell in order to hear people. did you know that was
2: like a thing like back in the day like when you're on the phone you typically had to scream because like it was hard to hear each
6: other. So how loud were they, like, moaning, going into the phone? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the heavy breathing, uh, especially. Was it just like...
4: (sighs) But...
3: Yeah. (laughs) Horrible.
4: The reason that it's different in this from the start of this movie is because he's actually started talking to them rather than just just heavy breathing or moaning.
0: Yeah, because someone says like, oh, he Barb, obviously. Right. Like, oh, he added to his act.
4: Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's the difference that we're supposed to get, which is like why he's killing now. As
0: i mean the remake tries to answer these questions not well right but in the version of the movie i've written in my head he's <laughs> making the first calls from like wherever he's like locked away in and can't kill but
1: why was he specifically calling this house who no idea who knows you
0: know honestly i don't care that much I why he chose this house. i mean that's yeah. fine
1: i'm just posing the question yeah
0: <laughs> He lived. He used to live there. That's the, the spoiler alert. That's the sequel's answers. Is this is the house he used to live in. So that's why he chose this house as his thing.
1: Well, that eliminates the random randomness and that eliminates the creepiness. Of Which is it. why right. the
0: sequel is bad.
1: Right. Right.
0: But so, I don't think because yeah. like
1: I mean the same thing. You're are you scared of Norman Bates? Okay, don't stay at the Bates Motel. Right. Boom, I, think, safe.
3: I think you I
6: even know. No, no I heard the worst Norman Bates take yesterday from Lauren. We were talking about Psycho. She's like, you know what? I don't forget how it came up. No, uh, you know how it came up. I have a picture of him on my phone. Um, Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates and, um, I would she was like, like to you know request what?
1: to bleep this out before it's <laughs> said it's like you
6: know what Um, he's hot in that movie
0: <laughs> I stand with you Thank,
3: thank you, Anthony, thank
6: thank you. No, Anthony Perkins is yeah. hot but I'm sorry If the first thing you see when you see Norman Bates staring dead eyed right in the camera is hot <laughs> I think you need to like and you say he's hot in that movie you might need to like shuffle some things around mentally
2: I've only seen Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates and I think he's hot so It's like, that's, is, my, but, that's, like that's, that's exactly My point of view. It's like
3: the whole debate.
0: He has a
6: weird mom issue. It's like it's just not, I don't know. It's like the whole (laughs) debate.
0: It's like the whole debate that it's weird to think Penn Badgley is hot in you, but. It's the same reason why I can't figure out
1: why I'm obsessed with Adam Driver in The Last Jedi. (laughs) why okay
4: why final word (laughs) final word uh anthony perkins is hot Um, (laughs) and also it doesn't matter that this movie doesn't explain anything anyway let's go into our segments okay um what would you do if it were you should we do the
0: theme song
6: you already 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 entered the segment so i'm not gonna sing anything okay (laughs) molly sing for me what would you do if it were, were you in, in this, this movie. Wow, thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thanks.
1: We've listened to an episode or two.
6: <laughs> Clearly, not one where I've won trivia because
3: you know my.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does it happen that often? So,
4: <laughs> who do you relate to the most in this?
2: Barb. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Bangs.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yep. You heard it here, folks.
2: Parent issues. Uh, <laughs> um, inappropriate yeah like Barb have you watched a turtle have sex I have I've have seen See, turtles have sex I is. went to the zoo and I actually did have we had joked that we were gonna try to find it and we succeeded so that is something that's happened to me
0: I mean I wanna be a Jess because again I said this off mic I feel the need to say it on mic I am Olivia's hussy <laughs> I love her so much But I feel like I'm a Phil deep down where I'm just kind of like just a cool, fun friend, kind of inconsequential, though, to all of your main narratives. Which which one's that? Andrea Martin.
4: Andrea Martin.
1: I was going
6: to say Phil (laughs) for different reasons because I looked at her and I was like, she's part of the gay community. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt that. And she's got these bitching glasses and cool style. And she's just like a okay friend. And sometimes I think I'm an okay friend and i just like i caught her vibes and it they were good i'm the
1: girl that does first Clarin.
6: No yeah yeah i am
1: are you kidding i can
4: see that that makes sense yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean attracted to men in hockey uniforms and large fur coats That's me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: oh well, put it we didn't way. talk about that coat at
3: <laughs> all oh, the coat. oh. It's a coat! <laughs> it's, it's a coat. We were
1: talking about like, yeah, it's because the man walked into the police office and that's when they started like listening to him. But right. no, it's because- it was because of the fur coat. If that man, <laughs> if a man of his stature in that fucking fur coat Walks into your office You're telling me You're not gonna listen to him
6: This is the 2019 equivalent Of Chris Evans walking in In that sweater From that Knives Out That sweater It's how I imagined This one over back in <laughs> like, 74 so He walks in You're just like impressive?
1: Oh my god Is that Anthony Perkins In Psycho <laughs> <just kidding>.
6: It's <laughs> Anthony Perkins Shimming up those stairs With his little apple butt
3: <laughs> <laughs> my
1: favorite part Of Psycho Cause I'm like What the fuck is that
6: <laughs> uh, but I think, no, I die first.
3: I, I think
1: I
4: relate to Barb the most, just because that would be me.
1: I my point was just like I don't, I don't really relate to any of the other characters. And she was just like just trying to go home, right? That just feels like like I, I didn't really, I didn't really do anything to deserve what I got. But I was just kind of like wrong place, wrong time. You right. just happened to be in my closet, then that I just die. <laughs> Yeah, so but I get a good view of.
3: of the oh, you get a great. They get view a great of view movie.
1: of the window, out oh. the window.
4: <laughs> if if you yourself, not like any of the characters, if you yourself were in this movie, would you survive?
6: I would simply leave the house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, I wouldn't have. I would have gone home. Wait, the first killing happens the night of the party, correct? Right. Mm. I probably would have stayed for that party. I was going to say I would have been home already. Nah, I'm still that girl. That, <laughs> I'm still that girl. I would have left right after that party and I would have died.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm dying in this movie because I am trying to avoid going home till the very
4: last possible
0: Unless I,
1: I There's a good chance I, I left earlier. But if I didn't, then I died.
4: I think I would have survived. I feel like I, um, I would have been essentially the boyfriend of the girl who dies who's like i'm the boyfriend hey hey but um, (laughs) (laughs) but like sam care to comment (laughs) he doesn't actually he doesn't actually like he's not actually like effective in the movie yeah he like comes in yells at the police and then like doesn't have any effect after the movie after that but yeah so like I feel like I would be either not, maybe not, like, that girl's boyfriend, but, like, one of the boyfriends of one of the girls, I feel like I would be. Um, So, yeah, I definitely would have survived.
2: I would have died (laughs) (laughs) because I am comfortable uh, being home alone and creeped out, I don't really get scared and run out of my house. I might have called somebody and been like, hey, I'm a little unsettled, you want to come over? But, um, I, I, when I say I relate to Barb, I really mean it. Cause like, I don't know, I, I would get creeped out and stuff, but I wouldn't. Like run and I also think that if I was in the end situation where the cops like the killers in the house I probably would have screamed for a while But then I would have eventually got out but I would have been killed before I got to that situation. So it
6: doesn't matter some insight into my Person like psyche one time I was trying to go to sleep at like that really shitty apartment. I lived on on um neil and a bug touched me in my (sighs) sleep and I wicked it off and um it was, like, 2 a.m., and I was like, had been drinking that night, and right. I called my dad, and I was like, you have to come pick me up, please. There was a, a bug touched me, and, like, I can't sleep, because <laughs> oh there's, like, more, and he came and got me. <laughs> yeah, <I> th-
0: <laughs>
6: so my, like, tolerance for dealing with a situation where I'm not comfortable in my house, like, I'm not afraid to go.
4: So you're, like, the girl who disappears, except you actually, <laughs> like, would have met with your dad. <laughs>
1: what yeah oh absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's what i am i'm either gone at before the movie even starts yeah. or if i somehow did make it to the end there's no way i'm gonna go fucking look for that killer are you kidding right. me i'm out you're Peace. surviving I think have fun don't take my tv
0: <laughs> the bad news for me is i die when i'm like home alone like that but the good news is everyone else lives because my Uber Eats driver discovers me five minutes later when he arrives with my Euro. <laughs> I've had that
3: moment, though. Where, like... But in 1974?
4: 1974...
0: um, I'd find a way to get a Euro in 1974. <laughs> Don't you worry.
6: Sometimes I'm at my parents' house and I hear something I'm like, this is it. <laughs> no, I do that all the time. Like,
1: so if you, I'm, if I'm home alone, acceptance. I assume that there's a murderer
6: somewhere No, but like, house. <laughs> I have my escape plan. Like anywhere anytime if there's like a home invasion type thing what's like, your escape plan terrifying. right now just like run out the door
0: which door that one okay she's pointing <laughs> towards the not the front door she's the back pointing door towards the yeah and then the i'm gonna swim
6: across the lake <laughs>
3: <Duh>. <laughs>
6: no but it's like i don't know or like i ever think if i like break into my house i'm gonna go upstairs in the um room that's off of my bedroom and i'm gonna hide in one of the little storage boxes and it's just like we, we have to we can cut this it doesn't bleep
0: matter. out parts of her plan so okay. the prospective killer can't no, get into can,
6: hint can, can it
4: um let's do villain ranking yeah uh how would you rank this on your list <laughs> i'm gonna go number seven okay just because i like the number seven And I like this killer. Number seven on my list. I don't know where, who's that above or below.
2: He's my number one. Ooh. Ooh. Hot (gasps) take. I, (gasps) Billy, yeah. I very rarely like look at a killer or like a bad guy in a movie and actually think like that would, be something that i could see taking me out you know and like the idea that a stranger's in your home killing you has actually been debunked it's kind of really random i mean don't get me wrong there are true stories of strangers living in people's house it, it happened Terrifying. around us a couple of years ago but like it's not that realistic of a fear but it is something that as just, like, a woman who's, like, home alone. I'm comfortable with that, but, like, that's always something that I'm like, what if this could happen to me? And this is a movie where the dude succeeds in doing it to a lot of random girls, even with the cops looking at him, and all he did was stay in the fucking attic. You know what I mean? So, like, I consider it to be, like, he's a real successful killer that wasn't an easy find and is genuinely creepy as fuck when you think about, like, Why he's doing it, also, he's my number one.
6: Um, I put him at my number 10. He's right below, he's right below Bagul from Sinister and right above. Mr. Boogie, sorry,
1: I just want to clarify. Mr. (laughs) Boogie, Uh,
0: Mr. Boogie,
6: Mr. Boogie, and he's above. Oh my god, he's above Dr. Weir from Event Horizon.
4: (laughs) Okay,
3: um, I
6: think he's like fine. I don't know. Yeah, top ten's not too
1: shabby. If I'm ranking him between this and Mr. Boogie, he's above Mr. Boogie. Okay. Just because he does the actual, he he's the one doing the killing, and I that's that was my biggest fault against Mr. Boogie is that he just has children do it. So he's above Mr. Boogie in my ranking. I mean, Isn't
6: that why people have kids so they can do all the shit you don't want
0: to do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, although if we're, if
1: we're going up based off names alone, Mr. Boogie wins hands down. I mean,
0: I've got. Billy, or what's his name? Trent? Trevor? No, Trent.
4: Trevor from. Terry.
0: Even Perry, worse. Yes. the worst one. Terry. Yeah, obviously he's better than fucking Terry.
6: Most people. What about, are... like,
4: just based on the Tipsy Terror episodes that you've listened that to? That I've
0: listened to? Okay. God, there's been so many. A lot
1: of pressure here.
0: Um, I'm trying to think yeah, if which there's... which ones
1: have you listened to, Quinn?
0: Well, because, like, if I was... If I had a full villain ranking, I've thought about this while listening to yours. <laughs> yeah. I would do it based on, like, iconicness. Hotness. Like, vibe. Okay. Hot, <laughs> wh- horniness is part of it, yes. Yeah. But, like, more than that, just, like, who's gonna last in culture last in my life right the most okay and so billy might be a little low just because he has no face so he like the whole his feeling will last but like not his face and not like the whole vibe the of, him. of him the idea of him the idea of him will last but not like i won't have an image <gasps>
4: Molly raised
6: her. Hand. I was gonna do a bit, but it's not funny. But what? I'm gonna do it anyways. I say, I rank mine based off who I think would have been baby of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you.
2: Harley Where does Bart
0: Harley Jarvis rank? Well,
2: I do mine one. usually based on if I can kick their ass or not, and I genuinely don't think I could get Billy's ass because I can't find him.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so just I'm Until scrolling through your last late. few episodes to see who the villains were, and so far. I'd rank him okay. Sam's number one. I changed my mind. Yes. Sam is correct. baby. Sam is number one. Sam I love him more than trick Life. or treat. Yes. From trick or treat. Absolutely. Yeah. So Billy can at least be number two. Okay. Sam is forever my baby.
6: <laughs> Sam's baby.
4: What are we ranking this movie out of? Oh wait, we need to do the award. Uh, this oh, is a to, um, Jared uh,
6: Jared Padalecki acting award for excellence in acting. Obviously, Margaret Carter. Yes. Hands okay. down
4: well so my my choices are one margot kidder because i'm in love with her and i want to <laughs> marry her
2: i have some really bad news for you about margot kidder
4: <laughs> anyway uh margot is kidder it? is my number one on every margot list of that. everything
0: i knew uh, that Okay, yeah. i thought you meant yeah. she was like a bad person no, turned out okay yeah, i knew that
4: no margot kidder's dead but margot <laughs> kidder is my number one on every list of everything but uh <laughs> The one that I actually want to award the award to for, like, good effort is the guy who's laughing. The best part of this is the okay. guy
2: in the background. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's losing his shit. Ball, yes. In the
1: background <laughs> yes. of everything. He's my favorite character, I think. The cop that's laughing. Nope. I'm sorry. The code is my favorite character.
2: We, we know from the credits that he was just his character was genuinely just laughing cop and like, can you imagine getting hired to play a guy who laughs like that's a, that's hard have you tried to laugh on command it's not easy
0: <laughs> I do it must be your jokes oh! Oh,
2: <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I wanted to see how long I could hold my breath <laughs> it was a long time I could I want to give it to Margot Kidder
6: yeah Margot Kidder yeah, she's great yeah she's you.
0: fucking phenomenal
5: <laughs> just me with the
2: mic. Um, <laughs> Can you please keep that thud in? <laughs> uh, Olivia Hussey, uh, mm. her screaming into She's the telephone—really, no one's worthy. No one's
6: bad in this movie. Like yeah. honestly, everyone is.
4: They're great. all great. Yeah, they're all great characters, and they're all well acted. Mm-hmm. Like Mrs. Mack is great. She's uh, like supposed
6: to be a little bit campy and she dad, does it very for sure. well. The dad is great. The the
4: police officer is great. They're all great. <laughs>
6: what you said about Mrs. Beck, she's a mess. Oh my god, this woman is such a
3: mess. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs>
4: um, Cause she is. Yeah, Nash, Nash, the detective Nash, who is the like fuck up cop, is great. They're all like really good characters and like acted like really well. Which is like makes it hard, but it's Margot Kidder.
6: Yes. Um. So, what are we ranking this movie? Can
1: we well, please rank it out of fur coats? Yeah.
4: Well, we didn't hear your guys' opinions oh, on, shit. The,
0: on
1: the. I I agree. Actor. Oh, yeah. Unless we're gonna give it to the fur coats. I don't know. Margot Kidder. <laughs> the fur is coats doing amazing. a lot of work.
0: She kind of looks like my mom sometimes, so that's a little weird for me. But <laughs> yeah, she's a great actress, especially in this movie. Because if you've seen her in any other movie, she's never I don't think she's really ever played this character much. Yeah. And so that's when like I think that's really when a character stands out when the actor does it never does it again. (laughs) And so you're like, oh crap, this is like a performance.
4: Right. Okay, so you want to rate this movie out of ten. Specifically large fur coats. Out of fur coats.
1: Large It's probably real, which bums me out. Let's pretend it's not. large for coats
4: I love it I think that's good yeah are we absolutely. good with coats okay 10 out
1: of 10 it's out the, out the 10. most iconic thing that you,
2: in you the have movie anything else to say with that
4: 10 out of 10 it's a perfect movie sorry
2: I'm, also, I'm sorry I'm also giving it a 10 out of 10 I fucking love this movie yeah I'll give it a 10 it's awesome <laughs> Yeah. That's
0: a lot of pressure. <laughs> Here, I'll 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 do it because also I think mine's been made very clear this is very much a ten out of ten larger <laughs> for me.
2: So I, no pressure, I, you don't have to give it one. Yeah.
0: I mean I said off the top it's my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time. So speak your
4: truth, Lauren.
0: Just know you couldn't m- be murdered. Probably by Harish. <laughs>
4: Well,
1: I was really hoping I would have more time to think about it, but you guys all gave your answers so okay. quickly.
3: <laughs>
0: I'm out. I, I could. I could. I'm a ten out of ten because there's a large fur coat and it's real good, and I'm enough wearing a nice costume choice. I will and say, I'll bump what?
6: So this is pandering to try and
1: get votes. <laughs> I, I, I keep going back and forth. The
5: ending.
4: You don't like the ending. You don't like. Sydney wants me to not like the ending You you don't like that it's Okay Sydney
5: The ending is bullshit It doesn't satisfy anything for the viewer
4: What do you mean by that It's giving
5: us so much insight and look into the killer It's even giving us their point of view And then it's never satisfying that for us Are
2: all killers in real life found
5: They never found
6: Zodiac This isn't real life It's a movie
4: I think the movie
6: It's the scariest real life kind of situation I've ever seen the I movie think imagine gorgeous. this horrible thing happens and they never find out who did it to you. Right. I, that I dad I, is just left to wonder until they find his daughter's body.
4: I think it's, it's, it's a, um, it works because we are like the whole movie. We're like, Oh, it's the boyfriend. It's definitely the boyfriend. And then the end is like, it's not the boyfriend. It's a stranger. And I think that is where it's like, that's enough. For the movie, it's like, it's not the boyfriend, you know? She was
1: just kind of, I mean, she can correct me if I'm wrong, because she's sitting right next to me, but if, because the movie spends a lot of time trying to get us to connect with the killer, it makes us feel like his identity is important, and then it ends up just not being.
5: And also, like, I was expecting it not to be the boyfriend, because that seemed too obvious.
4: right. Yeah, I, well... And then
5: it was like, okay, now who is it? And then I we never got right. to figure that out.
4: From my perspective, it's like, we think it's the boyfriend the whole time, and then it's revealed it's not the boyfriend, but it is someone who, like, clearly has mental issues. Um, and, like, if you, like, watch the calls, you can figure out there's something going on, like, this guy killed the baby maybe had issues with that but um there this person who is the killer like it's okay so this is something that i heard about on a separate podcast uh this is a podcast called uh, everyday horror but in the 70s like serial killers weren't a thing most murders even now most murders are people who are related to the victim so like most murders most sexual assaults is is not a random stranger or um it's it's someone who's related to the killer and so like in the 70s when you watch a movie it's you're assuming that it's going to be someone related to the victim um And you don't immediately assume that it's going to be a serial killer or a slasher or a random person because, like, serial killers weren't a real phenomenon. And now, like, in 2019, yes, we know that serial killers exist. We assume that it's going to be a serial killer when we watch, like, a slasher movie. So, like, that's why I think this is a good enough ending. Like, even though we don't know everything... About this killer, I think it's good enough that it's revealed at the end that it's not someone you know. It's not what you would assume is someone who would kill you. It's just a random person. Yeah, and it, in 1974, that like works really well. To me, the ending is the difference
0: between the movie being over when the runtime's over and then the movie sticking with you after it turns off. It's like the way a song either ends with a fade out or a hard cut. And when a song ends with a fade out, there's like scientific evidence. It'll, it's more likely to get stuck in your head when it like fades out at the end, rather than just ending at the song. I feel like this is that version of that is it's a scarier ending to just be, could be anybody in any attic as opposed to being the boyfriend, being just one of the cops where it's like, Oh, okay. That's a, character that has a face
1: this can happen to anyone
0: i don't care right. anymore because this isn't going to happen to me because it's this specific character right but also your opinion's valid and i love you
1: i'm gonna say eight out of ten.
4: Eight out of ten okay
1: yeah
0: why the minus two what what did it for you
1: well i, I believe that only 22 jump street and sleep bully camp are the perfect movies <laughs> <laughs> I I
0: love that you love Sleepaway Camp. (laughs) It
1: has stayed with me. (laughs) I am a changed person after watching Sleepaway Camp. I don't even know if I do like it, (laughs) but it's a part of me now. (laughs) Um, No, I liked... At initial, when it happened, I loved the ending because it's like creepy and... No, well... mm, I don't know how I feel about the ending and I think that's why... Because I keep going back and forth The more I think about it The more I switch back and forth If I liked it or not Right I liked the call at the end I think that's what I really liked Okay Um, During the credits I think it's interesting That he calls after every death And that adds another element of To that Um, I think uh, There's a lot of really cool shots And a lot of Really cool things Just like visually That were happening like i kind of said while we were watching it like the shadow work and like the light work was really cool and a lot of different parts my main thing is that i didn't get really invested in the movie until maybe halfway through okay and unless the fur coat was on screen (laughs) (laughs) of course um so that's why eight out of ten i would watch it again
4: oh recommendations what do you recommend based on if you like this movie what would you recommend
6: Scream. I was gonna say sleepaway camp again. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding though. <laughs> um, uh, if you want more Margot Kidder, um, Amityville horror is another horror movie. Uh, features so yes. We did an episode about it featuring Sydney Lawson. Right. Good.
0: I, I'm gonna do my other favorite Christmas is miserable movie, which is Gremlins. <laughs>
2: fucking took mine
0: (laughs) i'm sorry i saw you going for the mic and i knew you were gonna say it so i did in fact hop on that yeah gremlins rules gizmo's the cutest ever baby yoda stole its design from gizmo i'll say that even though baby yoda writes and yeah watch gremlins it rules
6: i'd say silent night deadly night
4: So um this movie was actually originally released in the United States as Silent Night Evil Night <gasps> but then because like they thought that uh Black Christmas would seem like a black exploitation movie um but then it didn't like perform well as Silent Night Evil Night and then they like changed the title to back to Black Christmas and release it so, yeah, so, like, Silent Night, Deadly, Deadly Night, good suggestion. Oh, wait,
0: Sam, you can have Gremlins. Thank you. Because I want to recommend uh, Better Watch Out.
4: Better Watch Out, good which movie. is yeah. the movie I really like Samantha a lot. Samantha doesn't like that movie. Yeah.
0: Why don't you like it?
2: Maybe I should give it a rewatch, but when I was watching it, I was like, I can't stand this.
0: See, I liked it because it's like I think it's a great takedown of the whiny white boy killer. Right. And so it also I'm a like fan of it for that.
4: subverts the trope of the kid being in love with the babysitter. Mm-hmm. It subverts that trope. I think it works really well. Um I agree that's a good recommendation. Better watch out on Shutter.
6: I like Holidays, which is Holidays an season. anthology yes. horror movie. A
2: movie.
0: Shout out to Father's Day, which Father's is the best Day. segment in Holidays. It's,
4: yes.
2: When we talk about holidays, that my favorite is the St. Patrick's Day one because I love the snake.
4: Snake is funny, yeah.
6: (laughs) Yeah. What's the Christmas one for?
4: Christmas, there's um. It's the one with Seth Green. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. where he gets like the VR glasses. I'd also, like, suggest if we're talking about Christmas horror movies, a Christmas horror story. No. We did
0: that for no. One Star Bed Movie Podcast. Yeah. Lauren hates it more than I anything. I hate
1: it so much.
0: <laughs> I think it's more of a fun dad. So. I think it's
4: fun. I think it's all right. I don't hate it. I think it's not a great movie, but I think it's, it's all right. It's a point in contention.
1: It's of one of our, our more Star. divisive
0: <laughs> episodes, so definitely check well, that no, out.
1: Well, no, it's not.
0: No, I mean between the two of us. Between
1: During the episode, I agreed with you more than I think I wanted to.
0: I'm sorry that you felt the you I, do that.
1: I do that a lot, actually. No. Not to get into that Ooh. too much, but I do tend to, if you like a movie, I tend to like it a little bit.
4: No, tell me I'm wrong. I deserve it. <laughs> um i did
1: that's that's a me thing not like a <laughs> <laughs> can i
6: recommend a christmas story also because of the same director
4: yeah same director christmas story i wanted to bring up on I'm i going to
1: recommend the uh 2009 production of a christmas story i'm sorry 2004 production of a christmas story from the youngstown playhouse in which my brother played ralphie
6: <laughs> 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 i can't put my arms down um,
4: uh so on i'm character but thanks molly <laughs>
1: Oh fuck <laughs> <right>. Oh no
4: <laughs> 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 On the uh, IMDB Appreciate the reference. On the IMDB trivia <laughs> for this movie It says this film holds the honor Of being the first seasonal Slasher film in horror Movie history and would later be Followed by this is a list that they give Halloween 1978 sure. Friday the 13th 1980 sure. which is Friday the 13th is just a date Anyway, not a not, uh, holiday. Anyway, prom night, 1980. Prom night, not a holiday. Anyway, Mother's Day, 1980. I maybe mean, for
0: maybe the people that lost their prom king and queen vote. For, <laughs> a, hey, I don't know, maybe the crown, the coronated person in the room. It's a pretty special night. There's
6: two coronated hey, people. Uh, hey, raise your hand if you peaked in high school. <laughs> oh. My hands
0: will not raise. I am on the up and up.
6: Your hand is up right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Mother's Day, 1980. Uh, graduation Day. Again, not a holiday, but like kind of an important thing. My Bloody Valentine, 1981. Great movie. Uh,
0: let's, let's add er on to our recommendation list. Because, oh, yeah. Hell yeah.
6: That got brought up, too, as another Canadian. My Bloody Valentine, also
4: Canadian. The guy who... Wait, no. I thought that the guy who plays a cop in this plays a cop in my bloody valentine but i was wrong and he actually plays the cop in nightmare. nightmare on elm drink and then my bloody valentine 1981 silent night deadly night 1984 which is another christmas horror movie and april fool's day 1986 that a hmm.
3: terrible
4: list. so that's the list from imdb of <laughs> horror movies that take place on holidays and like three of those are not actual holidays
0: I was going to say, as for mo- horror movies that take place on a holiday, which is a British synonym for vacation, or getaway, mayhaps. <laughs> Do you coming see the connection?
4: Soon. Do you see the loop? Uh-huh. <laughs> getaway coming soon, produced by our friends. Us. Yeah, us. Uh, you mean us. <laughs> what else would I write? I mean, uh, Peeping Tom, Psycho, the ones that had the original... Killer POV, Halloween, of course. Um, we talked about a lot on this episode.
0: All your good so, slishy slashy boys.
4: Yeah, I, those are all my recommendations. Not
0: Friday the <laughs> Thirteenth, though.
1: Boys. It's I'm fucking crap movie. Recommend because I was gonna say Scream and Halloween and all that jazz, but <laughs> I'm taking a looser interpretation of a horror-ish slash thriller movie. That takes place during a day,
3: <laughs>
1: a specific day, Happy Death Day.
6: I think I
3: oh, <laughs> recommended
6: yeah. it last time I was here, but I love it. Yeah. I watched it for the first time. Like, Did you? Did you like A it? week ago. Yeah, I watched that in the second one. I really liked they're it. They're great.
1: And it takes place on a specific day, specifically the main character's birthday on that one. Um, and it includes a more accurate interpretation of sorority life and college life and includes people a that more look modern, like they're in college.
0: Yeah, More, I buy yeah. that that's how sororities worked in the seventies, what happens here.
4: Mm-hmm. None of these characters were
1: my, my main point was that they don't look like they're in college. Not like how they that's go. a sorority yeah. works, but like they don't look like they're in college they all look they like don't. they're like forty years old. They're not.
6: Well, one of them was thirty eight. Well-
4: <laughs> the the boyfriend was thirty eight at the time of filming, Peter. Um, and I think Our the boy, youngest according to the his IMDb, name was would never do that to him. I think Olivia Hussey was um, only like 22 or 23 at the time of this filming. I think wow. Olivia Hussey and Andrea Martin were the youngest ones.
1: And they look more close to their age. What they're supposed to. Yeah.
4: yeah. Um, but No
0: one no one looks young in a
4: Jerry Curl like that. <laughs> I had one more recommendation. But If
1: you're <sighs> listening to this podcast and you want a recommendation about something not horror Neighbors, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good co- movie about fraternity college <laughs>
4: life. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, the 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 killer trope inside the house when a stranger calls. Um, that is a movie from the eighties, I think. And then there's a remake from early two thousands. I just want to wait. I it's haven't seen either. Of we movies. kept talking
1: about how Scream is connected in like a lot of different ways, um, but we didn't even talk about the phone calls in Scream oh yeah. very much so yeah very clearly directly in response to this movie right yeah along with all of the various other things that we already mentioned
0: yeah um
4: is that all our recommendations uh, i do not
0: recommend when a stranger calls it's utter garbage haven't seen any of them I'm but taking, I, I want to, my name excluded from them. this narrative
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh what do you guys want to plug
0: okay so we host a podcast called one star where we also talk about movies but not just horror movies any movie under the sun that could be considered bad specifically or supposedly it's specifically about movies that have one celebrity in them that they did for just an extra buck in the bank but (laughs) when we don't follow that you know it's just any any crappy crap under the crap sun
3: we
1: also have a, another podcast. <laughs> um, if you like the TV show Survivor, but you like inconsistent release schedules, Snuffed is the one for <laughs> you. Add um, SnuffedPod on Twitter. We're on a hiatus right now because things got icky in the Survivor world and we kind of didn't want to talk about it. And scheduling issues caused us to not be able to talk about it. So when we come back eventually, until then, you can get caught up.
4: Also, I wanted to mention that if you enjoyed this podcast, even though it was a complete mess because we're all drunk, and you wish that we were all sober and Mm -hmm. did a podcast together, all of these five people who are on this podcast, well, you're in luck <laughs> because there is going to be a sister episode to this episode and we are doing black xmas the <laughs> remake of black christmas from uh early 2000s maybe 2006 i don't know
0: which again sorry for the lies it does have more than one famous person in it we apologize but, deeply <laughs>
4: we are um we're anything the, but consistent the three of us your hosts me samantha and molly are going to be guests on one star for that episode which should come out sometime around we the time. Don't have
1: literally any idea. hopefully the <laughs> that same this time movie
4: before. uh <laughs> this episode comes out but like Look up one star and check that out. We'll be on there talking about the remake to black Xmas or black Christmas, which we haven't seen. And I am excited to make fun of
2: speaking of remakes. This episode is releasing on the day of the 2019 remake of black Christmas being produced by Blumhouse and starring Imogen Poots, I believe. Um, Who is
0: not Imogen heap.
2: Nope. Different people
0: (laughs) found that out recently.
2: Um, I have no idea how it's going to be. I did not like the trailer, but, you know, who it's, knows? It might it might trick us.
0: It seems as if the trailer reveals every twist of the movie.
2: As
4: I said, you can't remake this movie in modern day because you lose the fucking telephone exchange element. But we are willing to watch that movie and analyze it for itself. Anyway, uh, so plugs. Um, do you want to plug your Twitter? Oh, yeah. All
3: right.
0: One Star Twitter at One Star Movies, Snuffed at pod me at underscore Quinn Latifah, Lauren at Mala Turnup, spelled
1: M-O-L-I Turnup.
0: How it sounds.
6: yeah How it sounds.
0: Yeah. And what are the odds of two famous people named Imogen? I just didn't see it coming.
6: <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at Molly Francis Haynes, on Twitter at Midsummer Queen, and on Letterboxd at M-O-1-1-Y-H-A-I-N-E-S.
2: You can get me on Twitter at Save Our Shaggy, that's a Scooby reference. And on Instagram and Letterboxd at samanthadon thirteen.
6: You can follow me at Not A
4: Credit Card On Everything. You can follow the show at Tipsy Terror on Twitter, TipsyTerrorPod at gmail.com, Tipsy Terror on uh Facebook and Letterboxd, uh tipsy terror dot com, tipsy dot RIP, tipsy dot WTF, and tipsy dot P U B. Dot and Those are our websites. Do you pay for all of those? Yes, I do. And I'm going to cut some of them. (laughs) uh, Don't cut your pube. I will cut the pube. (laughs) (laughs) um, Because it costs like $20 (laughs) to own.pube for some reason. (laughs) Even though I got a deal for the first year. But anyway. um, So... Those are our websites. They point to all our other shit. Um, and maybe at some point it'll be an actual website if I ever get the time to actually like build a website from it. But who knows? Right now it just points to our SoundCloud and all of our Patreon stuff. And speaking of Patreon, we have a Patreon. For $5 a month, you get bonus episodes every month. And for $1 a month, you get to vote in polls to decide one of our episodes per month. Our last episode, The Wicker Man, was decided by our Patreon subscribers. Yes, it
6: was decided by Lauren almost exclusively.
4: Hello, it was decided decided by one of our Patreon subscribers. But um, yeah, and also in the future, we are um, we'll expand. Um, We'll announce more uh, on the next episode. And so, I want to
1: clarify: I voted on it, but I asked. Tyler and he told me to vote for Wickerman. Yeah,
0: it's
4: almost like someone in this
0: room decided for us to watch Sleep Camp <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, thank you for listening this is going to be our last uh, actual movie review for 2019 um, our next episode is going to be a year end recap um, so look forward to that we're gonna um review our villain rankings and our movie rankings and everything under the sun well you
6: gonna be ready for that so yes because it's a mess and i need to fix
4: it <laughs> um so yeah so that's gonna be our last episode of 2019 and then after that um uh we'll see you in 2020 okay bye forever